0: Hello. She was a level hitting dancer on the road to alcohol, and I was just a soldier on the way to Montreal. But she pressed her chest against me about the time it
1: was Welcome into this week's episode of From Here It's Potable. We got a great show for you. Me and uh, Brandon are going to talk about the. Uh, just the tech roster and guys that stood out to us and who we find interesting and kind of go over the piece that I wrote um, for Red Raider Sports about the uh, 10 most interesting players on this year's roster and Brandon gives his insights and guys that he thinks that I left out and then we are going to uh, talk about TJ Vasher a little bit and you know just what's going on there and Uh, our thoughts on the situation. Um, And then finally, we have a awesome interview with Matt Clare. He gives us some great insight and stories and just his perspective on recruiting in general and specifically Texas Tech in the 2020 class and the frustrations and the uh, questions and and just his thoughts on Wells and his staff and recruiting as a whole. As uh, we just kind of take a big picture look at what's going on with Texas Tech Recruiting. Like I said, it's a great interview. Stick around, listen to it. Uh, You'll learn something. All right, here we are here. I've got Brandon Solis joining me. We're about to talk the uh, Texas Tech football roster and some interesting players. Brandon, how's it going?
0: It's going good. Really excited. Um, obviously I read this before everybody else because I edited it, but it was a great list. Uh, Thank, you. Thank you for that. I didn't go in and change anybody around or anything like that, but uh cuz I I <laughs> agree with a lot of it. That. I did. I did. What but did you uh, no, but uh, I'm I'm excited about, you know, just kind of reading it. I think everybody on the board um, kind of agreed it's just it gets you excited for football season. Yeah.
2: Um, then I you got, got some excited good names
0: yeah, no, for sure. And you got some names in there that people might overlook or might not really think about, which was really exciting. A lot of newcomers. Yeah, uh, Eric Monroe, Brandon Boyer, Randall. I guess we're just going to get right into it. Yeah, since we're just starting to talk about it. Uh, I think I you had your top five were three transfers and then two returners with Bowman and uh, Kashawn Carter. Yeah, which uh, I think Kashawn Carter is a great, great, great pick. Uh, his speed, like you mentioned, is insane. Mm-hmm. I love that. I, I love the potential that he has and he's a track athlete and you know he's just kind of a guy that can get it done here. Uh,
1: it's Like we're, we're about to talk about sorry we're about to talk about T.J. Vasher and the way he puts pressure on the defense. Sean Carter is the same deal just in a different way. The defense has to know where he's at because if you lose him I mean it's touchdown. You know? Yeah no for and sure. That's, that's a nice thing to have on your offense is that vertical stretch.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I think we'll probably talk about TJ, you know, a little later, but uh, and like you mentioned, he's a guy that you can kind of, you have to pay attention to where he's at. But I think that shows a lot to tell you about Kashawn Carter is that there's a lot of guys that can get it done, you know, yeah. and uh, we'll get into TJ, but um, as the, the depth at the receiver position and, and across across the board, almost at every position, um, except running back, I believe, and it's pretty deep and you have these guys that you can kind of rely on. And I think all those guys could be interesting guys. Uh Trey Cleveland, a guy you yeah, mentioned, I know you're a big list. Trey Cleveland guy. Yes, uh, I am. Cleveland, and then uh even Travis Kuntz in there, tight end that can, yeah. you know, hopefully get more catches going. And you know, I think you have a lot of weapons on this offense that it's oh no, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, you know, like they have they have the opportunity to really turn things around quickly, I think. And I'm talking about the team in general. Yeah. And I think you hit on a few uh, defensive guys. Obviously, we got to talk about those guys. Uh, defensive linemen, actually, with you and some DBs. Yeah. And a couple of those transfer linebackers. But those young guys, specifically uh, up front, they have a lot, to, a lot to prove and a lot that they can kind of do to help this team get back to that, quote, elite status. Yeah, uh, like –
1: has anybody been less heralded, I guess is the word, than Gilbert Ibenemi coming in as a four-star defensive end? I mean, like, there's – I feel like there wasn't buzz around him when he signed, and there hasn't been buzz around him since he's been. It's crazy to me. Like, I went back and watched this film, and, like, I was thoroughly impressed.
0: I mean, he looked and, huge. And four of his top five, that especially the ones that you listed, offers – were your rivals essentially yeah. when Arkansas? I include Arkansas in there, uh, Oklahoma, TCU, and Texas Recruiting A&M.
1: Rooting at least.
0: I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. And I'm pretty sure Oklahoma State might have probably even been in the mix because they're always in the mix if you're Texas Tex around. Yeah, so you you beat you beat those top you know not technically blue blood guys. I guess Oklahoma might be, and then TCU is just kind of here and there, but you beat A uh, and M an old yeah. rival from the Big 12 SEC program now, but you beat all these schools out for him. And I'm really excited just to see kind of how he transfers to the, uh, to the division one level, just because, you know, we haven't really seen him that much, I believe. Yeah. And, um, but like you mentioned, he's a good edge guy. And I'm really, I love a good edge guy. Let me tell you, I love a good guy. that can come off the edge.
1: Yeah. I mean, if he can come in on, you know, third downs in obvious past situations and just give you, a guy that can get after the passer in his red shirt freshman year, you know, great. Like that's, yeah. I don't, I don't expect him to get out there and, you know, I want to go into next season saying, well, we've got a, we've got a stud at one of our end spots and it have been me like, that's what I want. I, I, I don't expect it would be great, but I don't expect him to dominate this year. I just think he's going to show enough this year to be excited for next year which there were several guys like that. I expect Cleveland to be the same way. I kind of expect mm-hmm. Cleveland to go out there and catch 80 balls, but I expect him to make enough plays where, like, you know, we're going to go into next year thinking about him the way we're going into this year thinking about Uz- Izukama.
0: Yeah, for sure. And I think a guy kind of getting a, going a little forward here that I might have included in my list would be, like, a Tony Bradford Jr.
2: Yeah, see, see five, I thought um, about that.
0: Yeah, based off of just kind of you know, what he's done off the field. I yeah. think he's a very interesting guy. And not an interesting like in you know, a Dennis Rodman kinda of way, but an interesting <laughs> as in this kid has a great head on his shoulders and uh, he's so young and he's so talented on the field that he could be a Mr. Texas Tech kind of guy on the field. Kinda of yeah. how like uh I think, you know, I think Gabe Rivera going you know, obviously he's a legend in Texas Tech, but um, you know, Gabe was kind of this all around dude that you can kinda of, you know senior sack he had the nickname and you know yeah. he had all that going for him. Tony Bradford could be just that kind of guy that just everybody yeah. remembers he was, who he was. He was
1: too good for my list.
0: Like okay
1: he's not interesting to me because I expect him to go in and just be good again. And like same with Jalen Hutchings. Like I expect him to just be your best interior defensive lineman. Mm-hmm.
0: And no, I, I can I can see that too. I can see that reasoning and I can see like, if also, they're
1: interesting,
0: things are huh. bad. <laughs> which brings me to number 10, which I would – the guy we talked about a little bit, which I might have put TJ Vasher up there yeah. just because of yeah all the stuff that he's been dealing with because, like oh, yeah. we talked about, he's talented. He's has the – like, the things you can't coach, his height is uh, – yeah. he added on weight, had yeah. high praise in the spring, and now you're back to, well, he has to focus on academics. And yeah. that could mean anything. That could mean he just needs to show up to freaking class – Right. Or he just needs to, you know, pass a test here, here and there.
1: Yeah, unfortunately and, um, for him, the in- none of the interesting stuff is on the field.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, and it's just kind of like it's going to be interesting to see if he does end up suiting up for the Red Raiders. Um, but right. It'll be interesting to see if he does suit up, if he gets benched, if somebody yeah. comes in and takes his spot. But that's a whole nother conversation that we'll get into later. Yeah. But, um, I, I would have added maybe TJ there. If we had an honorable mention.
1: Right. He's not a Red yeah. Raider
0: anymore, but a Houston Miller would have been pretty
1: interesting <laughs> yes he was not making my list uh red raider, <laughs> red raider. roster only but yeah southeastern
0: louisiana now i believe
1: yeah yeah you can watch a reality show with that if you are
0: no i, <laughs> I
1: what do you think about me putting bowman at number one
0: i think it's based off the health issues obviously um yeah and he's a quarterback, and he's the face of the team, and he, we haven't seen him have a whole healthy year.
1: Right.
0: Now you're going to have him have a COVID year to where, yeah. you know, well, maybe they say he wasn't in the best shape. You know, it comes out. All those things always come out at the end of the year where it's like, oh, yeah, he had a broken, you know, bone in his hand the whole year. And it's just kind of like, right. oh, okay. Like,
1: and right uh, now we're in best shape he in does. season
0: yes yeah
1: everybody's put on weight everybody's faster everybody's in the best shape of their life
0: Mm -hmm. and then all it takes is one one hit to to kind of ruin that but uh i I liked how you you did list them number one and you brought up the questions of is maverick mcgyver going to be the guy Uh, does henry columbi come in and you know kind of just save the day and be the you know i guess he could be a guy that just shows up for the entire year, if anything were to happen to Allen. And uh, yeah. I guess Maverick, because I think Maverick and Wise is the number two. But yeah. uh, if anything happened to those guys, he comes out, shows out, and ends up being the draft pick somewhere. Right. you know. And then Donovan Smith, the freshman, don't think he plays, think he'll register, but uh, he brings the mobility. And he has – he's such a – his stature is impressive. It's insane. Yeah. He reminds me of Big Ben. I've always said that, a Big Ben Roethlisberger kind of guy. Yeah. You're going to have to take Especially him down. Yeah, especially for his age, and he can zip the ball. I'll tell you. When yeah. I saw him out of friendship, he is talented, and uh, yeah. you know maybe he's a name like like a Gilbert that you kind of just kind of forget about a little bit. But um, I, I like I like having Allen number one because I mean you bought you backed it up, and I I can agree with everything you said about that.
1: Yeah, my the reason he's the most interesting to me is is like I said, the highs and lows are just incredible. I mean. You go. You watch the Houston game from his freshman year. The first half of the OU game that same year, and you're like, "This is a future Heisman. He's gonna be invited to New York. I mean, he's he's going to be the next in line on those Texas Tech lit. You know, mm-hmm. list. Like you hit on another one. Like surprise, yeah, surprise. Yeah, I mean, he's like, right cool. there. Yeah. But then you watch. You know, you see him get hurt, obviously, and then you you see some of the stuff he was doing at the beginning of last. and you know everybody everybody paints the beginning of last year like it was all bad and it wasn't there were it was about 50 50 which is not good like don't get me wrong but it but there were moments where you're like that's the alan bowman i saw last
0: year Mm -hmm.
1: you know but then unfortunately there were also moments worse than we saw the year before where you're like this guy did not see it you know like yeah is that where did his accuracy go? So, you know, and a lot that, of the that's me is yeah. why it's so interesting.
0: And I mean, you bring it up the whole, you know, well, how didn't he see that kind of deal? And I think they Matt Wells and Coach Yost and Allen himself said they're going to year two now in the system. Obviously, that was year one. Uh, yeah. there's gonna be bumps in the road, but that Arizona game, man, I mean, that wasn't. Oh, it was here. I was, was horrible. That that wasn't good, and it wasn't clean, it wasn't fun to watch, and even in and that, that game. <laughs> Like he, he, they were all negated by interceptions,
1: but like mm-hmm. getting to those interceptions, he had some moments where you were like, Oh, this guy's good. Like that's the, like he, he ran some of those triple options where it was zone read with the back. If he pulls it, he's running, looking to throw the bubble screen. And he was, and he did a couple of those and you're like, dang, I haven't seen this version, but it's good. Um, but then again, you know, he's then he'll, he's throwing interceptions or he's just, he just isn't seeing it correctly and, and that's all new i mean before this i was an offensive coordinator and my first year it was like trying to teach another language it's just yeah. the way it is you know and, and you know that first scrimmage you go into it and the defense just dominates you know nothing looks right and you're just questioning your entire life thinking like what did i do why did i take this job i'm the worst coach ever you know and you slowly get better throughout the year and things become more comfortable. And then you come back in the spring and and it just, it's almost like a light bulb goes off. And, and, and you know, the player's are like, oh, I remember that. I know how to do this. I know how to do that. I know what that's called. And then that just keeps getting better and better. And it's like Yo said, he's, he always sees a, he called it a pop in year two. And so you, a guy as smart and as talented as Bowman, as long as he stays healthy, you just have to, to me, you just have to assume. He's going to follow mine and be good this next year.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. I love how you kind of said that too. And I love how you mentioned, you know, it just kind of pops because I guess it's the thing that you kind of just, I haven't coached, obviously, but it's just something that I guess just transitions over very well. And then you start to realize, oh, this defense. Then you got defensive problems. And that's a whole other story.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah I love that. The... me.
0: What? Go ahead, Taylor.
1: Oh, no, I was going to say, that's to me, like, what, were you expecting to see Adam Beck on the list, speaking of defense?
0: I think he's a good – He, him and Alex Hogan, I think, are two yeah. solid dudes that I noticed, you know, watching them from last year. And uh, I'm, I'm glad you put Adam on the list for sure. And I think Alex might be another guy that you can add there maybe. But uh, yeah. I forget that uh, whenever I was reading, I forget that Adam did basically everything. Like, he – yeah. He was kind of all over the place, and that's that's awesome to see. And I don't know if he'll be a guy that just solidifies himself at one spot, but um, that's hopefully what you, he that's does.
1: What, I think I think that's what you hope. Just because it's not good for a guy to play both. To me, I mean, it's just it's hard to be good, or it, it, it's it's hard to be excellent at both. You know, mm-hmm. and it's it's like I said, it's a testament to him being big enough to play linebacker and then athletic enough to play defensive back. That's and I saw that in his high school film and that's why I was disappointed when he, he committed and went to Minnesota and I was so excited when he decided to come back. Um, you know, you just hope that he, the coaches have found the spot and are able, you know, in last year with the lack of depth, hopefully we have more depth, so we don't have to move guys around like we did him and he can just be good at defensive back. is I think where he is now.
0: Yeah. And I think that's going to be a great thing that this team will benefit from. And if you just stay healthy, and that's what it comes right. down to. You know, if you just stay healthy, then you're going to be pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, and like I said, there's, we've talked about it with the depth and, and you know, with, uh, like, I think this is a year where you can even sustain a little bit of injuries. And that's where a guy like I had. Banasaur on there like if he yes if he's either going to be a guy who can go in and fill snaps for you which is fine you need those guys or is he going to be what we thought he was a game-changing defensive lineman and I think Mm -hmm. this year will show you what is he but he's a guy that you know if if Bradford gets dinged up a little bit or Howard gets dinged up a little bit he can go in and he can give you good solid snaps
0: I think kind of just thinking about the whole depth thing as you brought it up, uh, an actual honorable mention that I would have maybe thrown in would be Taj Brooks. Yeah. Because if Jadarius Townsend is as good as advertised with the whole, you know, he's an SEC guy and uh, he was a receiver, you know, because these guys may be SEC guys, but, you know, they left for reasons. And I know some maybe some, most of them are injury or injury related if a guy ever really transfers from a team. But um and he never just had a chance to play. So we still have to see how he produces. But Taj Brooks has just been nothing but Texas Tech since day one. Yeah. He's been named in depth charts as right now. I've seen, you know, the the three spot, but I even had him at the two spot before Tadarius uh, committed because I think that kid just kinda gets it. I think he's really, really bought into this program. And yeah, he could he could easily come in and surprise everybody and be the two guy instead of should or he could be a big third down guy. I think in the matter to report, Billy said that that Taj Brooks could be a big third down kind of running back. You need a spark. You need a couple of yards. Just hand it off to the freshman and see what yeah. he can do it.
1: It wouldn't surprise me if we see from him, what we saw um, Sir Roderick and he's yeah. on do their freshman year where you don't expect them to come in and contribute, but they do. You know, and I think Taj Brooks could be the same way. And the last guy I want to talk about is who you mentioned is Chadarius Townsend, because in the video that the that tech gave us to post on the site, you saw him coming out of the backfield and running down the seam to make a catch. That's the kind of stuff I like to see. I like to see that kind of creativity because you get Chadarius, you know, matched on with a linebacker. I like that. I'll take that matchup. I'll oh, yeah. take that matchup on the seam. I'll take it on an out route. He makes one guy miss. He, it, we know he's fast, you know, and it, I'm very interested because I anyway, know a lot of people complained about the lack of complexity, the lack of wrinkles in Yost's offense. And I think part of that was just the guys you had, the quarterback you had, the depth you had, you just didn't, you never were settled enough to develop the offense and I think after a spring and after a summer and now getting into fall camp, I think you can see some of those wrinkles. And Chidarius is a guy where let's motion him out of the back. Let's start with him and Sir Roderick in the backfield. Let's motion him out or let's send Sir Rod- Well, you know, let's send Chidarius on a, a seam, keep Sir Roderick in. You know, there's just so much stuff you can do. And I just seeing that in that practice video got me excited.
0: Yeah, no, and I I love you know wrapping up there with Shadarius and stuff, and I think what this team is overall is if you put out a puzzle and you put all the pieces together, but you haven't really clicked them all and put them in place, but you can see the big picture.
1: Yeah, that's a good way to
0: put it. As soon as they put those pieces literally together, yep. you're go- you're golden. I I personally think I think it you're be. yeah you have everything you need to be successful. I think, uh, you know, obviously there's a lot of recruiting talk. Yeah. A lot of, uh, you know, they need to be better at recruiting. They need to be better here. Those are all things that they can get better at after the season and during the season as well. Just kind of, you know, on the field as a product, I think this team's going to take a huge step forward.
1: Yeah. And I I think it needs to, um, and I think they should, um, Mm You, you know the only worry is quarterback and tackle which you know you could say are your two most important positions yeah um, yeah but you got guys there you just need them to produce and that's all i and mean
0: the only, and the only reason being a quarterback is just staying healthy i mean
1: and and to, and you have talent at tackle too like like i said when i when i talked about the offensive line i, th- I think verholst is good i thought he was good last year yes you just need that to be a little better this year and you need to figure out the other spot. And like you said, if we get that, if we put those puzzle pieces together, we should be good. Um, but that would be a good place to stop there. And we'll do a little uh, – uh, moving on, we'll do a little TJ Vasher talk next. And then uh, after that, we have a great interview. And I'm not trying to oversell yes. it. Claire, Matt Claire is going to join us, and he was awesome. Uh, gave yeah, us so listen
0: feedback. to the whole thing. There's yeah, tidbits we, in there and yes. a lot of good nuggets.
1: Great recruiting, just insights and, and you know, thoughts that – Uh, that I learned from and so it it was great so let's uh let's get on to that all right so news of the day not reported on the site or reported on the site I guess we'll never know is uh status of T.J. Vasher or I guess we know the status and it's not good yeah
0: yeah, and it's uh it's unfortunate, you know. Cause you this asked is the a, question, didn't you? Yes, yes, I did. Because uh, Ben, you know, Ben was wondering. He he did. He wasn't able to join the the press conference via Zoom. And then, uh, you know, so I raised my hand virtually and asked, and it was a simple uh, no. TJ's still out. Uh, he has to handle academics, and Wells threw in a whole. He has to handle academics like everybody else does. So you right. can tell because in the spring, if everybody remembers. He was hyping TJ up pretty much every day, every press conference yeah. that he was getting it done on the field. He was getting it done uh, in the classroom. Weight. He put on weight and, uh, you know, all that stuff. It, it all sounded really, really good. And then you get to, you get here. And oh, what, two weeks ago, a week and a half ago, it was uh, TJ's going to miss this weekend because he's, he has some academic stuff he has to take care of, which did not sound that bad to me. You know, whenever we learned about it at first, It just sounded like he's taking a few days to finish some summer courses and he'll get back rolling. And then, you know, fast forward until now, um, August 18th, and he's still not with the team yet because he still has to handle his academics. I mean, that's your number one receiver.
1: Should be at least.
0: Yeah. And, you know, you got these young guys that are are there to be to to compete and they have the prime opportunity to jump right over him or, you know, just kind of force wells his hand and say well you know they've been at practice they've been taking care of their stuff so it's a deep um, hurt it is it is and I'm really excited uh really excited about look fungi you know I think yeah. he's a he's a good guy Seth Collins and not a young not a young guy at all but a guy that they moved outside and I know he said Keyshawn has the ability to play both inside and outside yeah. I think he's going to be your inside guy but I mean he if you want a speed burner you can easily move him to the outside so you know I was
1: thinking about like the impact, you know, cause at this point I'm not expecting Vasher to suit up, you know, just simple as that. Um, and so I pulled up his reference page. How many catches in a season do you think he's had like the most, what are the most catches he's had in a season, his years on campus? Around like 44. See, I would have guessed more. The most okay. was 54 okay. in 2018. I would have guessed 60 or 70. Mm -hmm. Um, and then what do you what about most yards what do you think
0: as a season yeah oh man that's a that's kind of a tough one i want to say around i mean i kind of want to put him around 500 hopefully yeah no that's closer he had he had
1: 687 in
0: 2018 so 2018 was the last year 54 catches
1: 687 yards but the thing that really kind of surprised me and, and again all i thought all of this was more is he's Again, in 2018, his best season, he only had seven touchdowns, which you'd think a guy with his skill set would be nearly automatic on the goal line. And and we we know he struggled with drops. We know he's struggled just with his body not being physical enough. And we've seen him get bullied a few times, you know, a game basically. But when you think, you know, maybe it was just because he was such a highly touted recruit and. You know the Eric Ward comparisons and you know not necessarily comparisons, but you know he basically got him to tech, and, you know you expect that kind of production, but you know if they end up having to cut bait, I think his productivity is replaceable is all I'm saying,
0: yeah, no, I think last year we saw a lot of the times where you didn't have a guy that could catch the ball and make a play, and he doesn't strike me as that kind of guy. He strikes me as a highlight reel every highlight. now and again,
1: yeah, like the old man.
0: Yeah, the old Miss catch. There was a Texas catch, and that's what we yeah. remember him for. And yep. uh, but what did he wasn't an Antoine Wesley Kiki Q T that you can throw it out there and just make a play with it.
1: Or yeah, or like it. you could count on those guys to be in yeah. the spots they're yeah. supposed to be. in. And yeah. I don't know if Asher is that guy.
0: That's just kind of hard to grade because I think somebody mentioned that some mock drafts have him pretty early in some rounds. Well, and I, I think scouts that's
1: have been look at practice to look at him all you know his whole time in college
0: and it's just kind of insane because the kid's so talented and he has the natural the obviously the unteachable size you know and then you add the weight and uh you know the the uncoachables like his his length like you said his length and he's added weight he has all that stuff he has the tangibles but he can't he just can't focus or who knows yeah. Because um, what we've been told it's academics, you know, there's always that speculation. I think he had a problem. But it's been problem. something
1: every year, right? Yeah. I mean, you've covered yeah. the team his whole time here, I think. And it's, it it's just never seems just like been a smooth. Year. Yeah. Because yeah. what well, he was suspended last season, he missed games.
0: Mm-hmm. He missed games. And then I think Cliff had him disciplined as in I could be wrong, but as in just missed some play, like some plays just took him off the field, like for a half or something, but
1: yeah. Like he didn't um, start some games. Yeah. He
0: didn't start or it, yeah. It's always yeah. kind of been something though.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, those players, you always root for those guys, especially with the talent that he has, but I'm just glad we're not in a position where if things go South, which I'm always going to root for him. I mean, he's a, you know, he's a red Raider. I, I want the best for him, but if things go South, We've got a plan, basically. I mean you've got like I'm on the Trey Cleveland hype train, I have been this whole off season, but you've got guys behind him who they can produce what he's produced is yeah. basically the whole story.
0: Yeah, you can fill his you can fill his stats like like especially after you mentioned what they were. You can kind of fill you can find those stats in other guys and just spread yeah, that I, around.
1: I think we've put him on a level that he has not quite achieved yet
0: yeah and then Uh, i think eric izukama is going to be fantastic and he's probably he's going to be the guy yep i
1: totally agree you know and between izukama and um trey cleveland and, and seth collins i mean like you just have some outside receivers that you're just you're totally fine with giving them the the touches giving them the the attempts i mean because think of, like you named, just look at the freshmen. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if any of those outside guys, Fungi, Fungi um, Sparkman, who, who's Parker, the third? Uh, Polk. Uh, who's Polk, that's the one. He's the early enrollee, right?
0: Yeah, Jalen Polk, he's been here. Yeah, I mean, it? it wouldn't
1: surprise me if the three of them could at least get out there and give you quality snaps at an outside receiver position.
0: Yeah, and it, especially with what Coach Wells said on uh, on Monday, that when I asked about Lowick. He just kind of smiled and said, "He's gonna play. He's gonna play. It's just yeah. how much is he gonna play? It's up to Loic, but also right. it might be up to TJ Vasher as well." So, <laughs> you know, yeah,
1: yeah. And like I said, you you've covered you've covered the team pretty much his whole time yeah. here. I mean, like, and the the one thing I think that we will miss is defense. Has the defense has had to know whether he was contributing or not? You had to know where's TJ. Like they had yeah. to know because at any moment he was capable of having a huge play. So there's you, – you do miss that, I think, if he doesn't play, you, which may just open up spaces in the, of the field for other guys. You know, you hope three or four games into the season that, you know, now teams are saying like, okay, where's Uzukama? We got to find where he is. And that takes the place. But that would be my Hopefully. only fear is, you know, defenses had to account for TJ. No matter what his stats were, just because of his ability. And so, if he's not out there, they can evenly spread.
0: Although yeah, and it doesn't no anybody. mismatches. Yeah, and I think a lot of it. Uh, you started talking about that, and I saw your hat, and just kind of what the Cowboys are going to be able to do on defense this year.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> With
0: Everson Griffin added, And now yeah. you don't have to. You don't have to pay attention to Demarcus Lawrence all the time. Right. Yeah. And now you've got a whole line.
1: Yeah, you can't double team. And- yeah heck, it's, it's honestly what the Cowboys are going to be dealing with. The defense is the Cowboys face when yes. you've got the three receivers that they do plus Blake Jarwood. I mean, it's pick your poison there. And
0: then Zeke and, the, and then the same thing with tech with the uh, running backs that can catch. Yeah. So,
1: and, and uh, yeah. And so you just hope that one of those receivers can be the one where the defense has to be like, all right, we have, you know, there's two guys here or uh, we have to shift our coverage to this guy. You just, yeah, there has to be someone out – there has to be a, a number one, I think. Yeah. And, like, I, we – I think we're in agreement. We both think it's Izukawa.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, obviously, I think we should also just state that – I mean, we hope, you know, TJ does get everything he needs to get fixed. I mean – Oh, yeah. Obviously. Yeah. But uh, – Yeah. Because, I mean, like, he is talented. I mean, that's without a doubt.
1: Yeah. And it's just whether he ends up starting or is just a contributor or just plays – you know, 30, 40 snaps a game or whatever it is, or is just a red zone threat. It's just another weapon in Yost's arsenal to use. Mm-hmm. And you don't want to just put one of those up in a closet and not use it again or kick one of those off the team. You know, you you want you want Yost to have every weapon at his disposal. And TJ's one of those. I mean it just is with his skill set. So yeah, like you said, you hope that that he can figure it out.
0: Yeah, because, I mean, especially if he wants to make it to the NFL, he's going to have to fix this now, whatever it is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. they'll, they'll – I mean, either they're going to still straighten him out there or they'll just cut him, I mean, you know, so.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there, there's not going to – he probably won't receive the help that he's received here at Tech. Yep. Nope. I mean, and like I said, like you already said, and we've both said, we hope he figures it out, but our part of our job is to talk about it. And so, yep. you know, I think Tech is okay if – If things go south and only better if he's here and is a weapon to use so um that's tj Vasher talk so now we've covered it several places on the site we've got audio we've got uh, we've got posts um and so before we close this out we are going to talk to matt claire about some recruiting and just get his thoughts on you know he's a smart guy so yeah he's been doing this for a while yeah so uh, he knows what he's doing so we'll just ask him some questions Um, And it should be pretty interesting. So here's that. Joining us is recruiting analyst extraordinaire, Matt Clare. How's it going, Matt?
2: Doing good. How are you guys doing?
1: All right.
2: Yeah, doing pretty good.
1: Yeah. Let's get right to it people want the updates. Do we have any updates or what what's your opinion on lack of recruiting updates? That might be the the best way to ask that question.
2: Man, right off the bat, how you do me? Now I'm just kidding. Uh no, I don't I don't have any late breaking updates, you know, uh, with some of these transfers and uh, uh waivers and all that. We try to Uh, we try to keep the uh, paying members on the side as informed as possible, but I think you'll Mm -hmm. see another SEC uh, transfer happen this week. Uh, I don't know when this is posted. Maybe it's already done by then. Uh, But I think there's – the defense is getting some more help from a transfer. It's not a graduate transfer, um, but I think they're trying for a waiver for immediate eligibility. And with everything going on right now, it's hard to ever predict for anyone, even under normal circumstances when the – ncaa will actually approve a transfer or immediate eligibility or not so you know that's still up in the air but even long term if it does not happen immediately i still think it'll be a good addition and uh you know you guys can head to the site and there's plenty of information on that for certain yeah um (laughs) i think with you know with the recruiting class it's it's really interesting because The coaches are doing, you know, what I would say about two to three to four Zoom meetings per week, you know, as much as the schedule allows. Obviously, a lot of the time and attention is being paid to practices and what they're able to do with the football program right now uh, to prepare for the season. But, you know, they're still trying to fit that in. Um, But they're still, you know, what I can respect about it is they're still trying to do things their way. Um, You know, it'd be easy for them to just, you know, throw a strategy in the trash and just start offering 100 kids and up a bunch of spots. I don't think that that's difficult to do, uh, especially in the state of Texas. Um, I think they want to trust their evaluations and, you know, they want to trust the fact that, okay, if we're going to play football and um, these kids around Texas are are going to attempt to play football as well, you know, maybe we don't have that in-person evaluation, but at least we can see some tape, we can see some progress, we can see something and i don't think that we've seen no offers uh you know obviously the uh, offensive lineman from corpus christi is someone who you know got his got his call um and he was really excited about the offer it just so happens that now he's got 30 plus offers and you know he's just been crushing it on the recruiting trail so i do think right now those early uh visitors and those early relationships are going to pay off like they would in any other year it's just that lack of being able to evaluate in person, build some of those relationships during that open evaluation period, you know, whether that's coach farmer stopping at a particular school or coach Patterson stopping at a particular school on the first day to see a particular target to show them just how much they want them to be a red Raider. Um, you know, those things all matter. And so, um, we're on zoom, we're talking, I mean, that's all the coaches can do. It's talking season. So, uh, yeah. I think, uh, you know, I think if, uh, you know, if we had more offers, if we had a little more action, you know, that would be, you know, something that, that I guess people would would enjoy, um, or or kind of see in a better light. But you know, what I see is the coaches really like what they have. I think if we looked at offense and defense, there's you know definitely some prospects to brag about from an evaluation standpoint um, and even a fit standpoint. And then when you look at the remaining uh, class, you know, everything that I've heard from my sources. Um, Indicate that they want to take as full as a class as possible, and and you guys know that these days that doesn't mean twenty five high schoolers. It means yeah. you know twenty ish high schoolers. It means you know maybe a few kids from out of region, uh, definitely some JUCO immediate help, but also this transfer market. I mean that's just twenty twenty um, where things stand, and and then beyond, I, I expect that. I think the especially now after all this, the the transfer portal. Um, I just teased it, you know, off the top that, you know, after this is done, the coaches will have added three SEC transfers that are, you know, kids that are going to impact the roster. Kids that are going to play right away. And if you look at the first year, I was talking to uh, Level and Dickens about this. When you look at some of the guys that they've added I, and what you guys will learn about me is I can, I can talk recruiting all day, but I'm really bad with names for some reason, <laughs> but who is the, who is the cornerback from uh, Penn state that, that came over? Yeah. I mean, that's an all conference guy. That's a guy that if you didn't have him last year, you're in a heap of trouble. And so I think if you look at that and you look at, you know, where they came from, that's what I've said day one is they really had to turn rocks over and they really had to find and evaluate, the right fit at Utah state, because let's face it, that's not an easy recruiting trip. It's not an re- easy yeah. recruiting sale. And oftentimes they were in that transfer in Juco market. So, you know, you got to let the uh, proverbial cake bake. And I think that, um, you know, the, the overview that we all did together on, you know, what all has been added and kind of what some of the, the pieces entail, you know, I, I think that combination of transfers and, and Juco guys is, you know, it's just necessary to flip this roster uh, but mm-hmm. I think long term, you know, you've heard it from the coaches, and I think that's on purpose. Brandon's been on these uh, teleconferences with Matt Wells, and you know, you don't just get, oh yeah, we really like Loic Fun- uh, Fungi. You get, oh, he come- he's really well coached by Coach So and So and Coach So and So at Midland Lee. Oh, and you know, mm-hmm. also at at Lufkin with Coach So and So, like he gets it, right? He knows where the bread's buttered. So um, again. You know i think what what you're going to see is you're going to see kids across the board not just recruits for texas tech they're going to wait because right now they've just been told hey we're going to let you try and play football so now they're going to focus on getting their bodies ready and getting you know with their team and ready for the season and then once we do get to some any sort of normalcy i don't expect visits to be um allowed per se Um, But you're going to start looking at the running back position. You're going to start to look at offensive line. And then you're going to start to look at the secondary specifically to where coaches will either do one or two things. They'll really press on some of the kids that they've already offered to see if they can get a commitment. You know, maybe that's based on how the tech season's going and they've started hot. Maybe that's based on some early tape they get back from these kids playing, whether that's high school, Juco, you know, et cetera. And then I think you'll start to see some of those spots spill because I really don't see any kids completely waiting until December because uh, who knows when they're actually going to be able to take these visits. I know that that's not necessarily, you know, fair to use a a word I don't like to use uh, for these Mm -hmm. kids, but at the same time, I mean, I don't see. I don't see that happening to where these coaches are going to change their philosophy. And I'm, this is not a knock on Kansas, but Kansas has 18 or 19 commits because they've offered a ton of kids and there's yeah. a ton of kids that are wanting to make a commitment, but mm-hmm. you know, there's a difference between an official offer that comes, you know, August one that is committable and you know, you've got your NCA clearinghouse, your grades, and they want you there versus a verbal commit, which, you know, as we've seen can, can go up in a moment, and and if I use an example, I mean, look at the JUCO linebacker that just committed. You know, a couple of days later, he gets a Mississippi State offer, and tells the guys over there that he's still evaluating his recruitment. So uh, he had the defensive tackle that that didn't even announce the be commit and flipped to Arkansas. So, you know, our followers know the deal. Nothing's promised in recruiting. So uh, I think I would, uh, I'd kind of err on the side of the coaches here with to kind of build it the right way and not just stack up a bunch of kids on top of each other just to just to say that you got that amount of commitment. So I know that was a, uh, a monologue in itself, but those are those are kind of my thoughts on, on where things are. I think I covered all angles, I, I hope.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was good. Sorry, I'm going to cut Brandon off real quick, just because you mentioned December. Do you think we still have a December signing day?
2: We'll hundred mm-hmm. percent. And here's why, is you've got pretty much the entire, uh, so I know for sure Morton, Tucker, uh, Tharp, Castles, top of my head all of them are early enrollees and so that that means they already have the credits the plan the grades um and and even before they knew that they would have a football season they're already locked stock and barrel to do that so for sure and then you've got kids like uh the the other defensive tackle commit who's a juco player that had his season moved to the spring but he just wants to graduate and go to college right so um yeah they'll definitely still be that now Will you have a lot of these kids that possibly wait until February? I mean, maybe, but I, I don't know. Like, at this point in time, you, you're a coach, and I'm sure you had kids that got recruited. If they don't love you now, you know, they may not – they're probably not going to love you later, you know? Yeah. Like, let's let's take a look at what you have. And, and of course, I love the late bloomers, right? I love the kid from just, uh, Duncanville last year that ended up getting, like, 20 offers after the season. That, that's awesome, right?
0: Yeah.
2: But it, you know, those are few and far between. That's why they're awesome, right? So, you know, I, I, I see that potentially happening, but but more so with you know what we talked about earlier. I'd see the coaches potentially holding those spots for immediate impact guys, you know, JUCO guys or transfers, uh, with every, especially with everything going on. Yeah. So, that makes sense.
0: Yeah, man. You mentioned that you know you've been doing this a lot, kind of going back to the whole uh, Big Twelve Media Days we both attended a couple of years back, and you know you you're. Open up to Travis and Broderick really quick, just because you were recruit you you were with those guys when they were getting recruited, and obviously those are, those were uh, Kingsbury guys if I'm correct, and uh, you know mm-hmm. past past staff guys. And how do you think just in a, just kind of wrapping it up in a bow here, how Matt Wells has kind of hit the hit the recruiting trail so far? Um, what what can he maybe improve on, and what can you kind of just tell us about uh, from your perspective about what he really really hits on with getting these you know SEC grad transfers and whatnot.
2: Uh, you know, and I think so there's, you know, there's different styles and approaches, you know, to all things. So if I understand your correct, your, your question correctly is just kind of maybe transposing their styles, I, I would say, and it's not a knock on Kingsbury, but I think, you know, we all know that he was involved in recruitment early, but it wasn't his favorite thing to do. Um, I think that's a fair statement. It's it's not a knock. I I talk to kids all the time that that routinely speak to Matt Wells, and and if you're a top target, you know you're hearing from, from the head coach. Um, you see him more active on social media. Um, I think he gets it from that standpoint, um, and I also think that you know with that being said, he also does let the coaches um, do their own thing, um, and you know, I think, I think he's the first person in the room that says uh, exactly what we're talking about, right? Guys, we need more commitments. Guys, where are my commitments? Hey, you know, let's talk to so-and-so. I mean, they have, they have tried to be patient with kids and they have tried to show, you know, some kids love, but I think that's the biggest thing in my opinion is he he knew what he wanted to do, whereas to be fair to Cliff, he didn't have a ton of experience. He hired people that he knew from Houston and or a mm-hmm. where Wells can bring in a director of uh, a director of ops, a director of recruiting, a on-campus uh, recruiting coordinator. And before that was done by one person. And, yeah. you know, the pessimist in me, I, I don't have like direct sourcing or, you know, some information here but the pessimist in me just says that, you know, it was an experience thing or maybe, you know, securing funding or or whatever the case may be. But, you know, Cliff was on the job for six plus years. So it's not like those things weren't optional. I mean, he changed assistants, you know, this, that, and the other. So um, again, not, not trying to hammer the guy, but that was the biggest difference that I, that I saw is hiring people, not only that, you know they thought that he thought was a good fit but people that come in with experience um and experienced in the state of texas so um yeah i mean i think that's the biggest difference letting those guys get after it just as much as i said that all the players here from coach wells they'll either mention coach aaron brooks or coach preston uh, pearson so um you know those guys are out there sort of keeping the lines busy and then you know kind of connecting them with the coaches and i think uh, everything I always write or say just comes from my own experience, you know, similar to most people. And I've just been a sales monkey for uh, the better part of 15 years. And I'm used to accountability. I'm used to process and I have to sit in a room and I have to talk to my management and, you know, here, this money's coming in this week or this deal's coming in this month. And I'm held accountable to that. And to me, I've always pictured that in my brain. We'll sit around a conference room table. Let's put up a spreadsheet of kids that we've offered, kids that we want to evaluate. Let's talk about this, and let's say, hey, you know, we offered uh, we offered Taylor and we offered Brandon at running back. Um, you know, Taylor answers every time we call. You know, he seems pretty interested. But you know, man, Brandon he's hard to get a hold of. But oh gosh, you know, he's got twenty five offers, and he'd be a really big recruit. You know, I don't know. Just that that's what I always think about in my head, if you will um and and almost like in sales we like to we like to call it strategy but you you like to put deadlines on people right hey you know here's what we've done and you know if you purchase this by the end of august here's your price after that you know blah 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 whatever that's just an example you know at some point in time that happens in recruiting too and you don't want to fall into a pit where you know you do that too often but i mean i think you owe it to yourself as a staff to say we've been recruiting this kid for nine months he's not close to committing do we want to be left uh, with a couple months to recruit at a crucial position like running back or O-line? Um, and to me, the answer would be no. Um, and in yeah. recruiting, you can only, you can really only keep kids on the, on the, in the hopper for so long. You know, as a good example, I mentioned the kid from Corpus. Well, he's, now he's got 30-plus offers. Back then, you were the only D1 school showing interest, hosting them on campus. You could have wrapped that bad boy up months ago. So that's just my personal opinion. Um, but it happens, you know, no, no program does it perfectly. Um, that isn't a blue blood that isn't, you know, winning championships every year. So, um, you know, nobody expects perfection, but, um, yeah, I mean, in terms of differences or how I see it, I think there is more structure, I guess, is where I'm going with that.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And I could even see that from the high school coach side. I mean, when, when I, when Cliff was, The head coach, we, and it's dumb stuff, but we never got like the good luck in the playoffs from Texas Tech posters to hang up in the hallways or, you know, and then the moment Wells took over, we were getting that stuff. And it's just little stuff like that, that maybe doesn't make a difference. Maybe it does, but it's nice to just see the effort
2: well i mean i'm at my brother-in-law's house who's a vp of marketing and i i'm sure he'd stand on top of the table and tell you it does because you know that logo people people talk about recruiting to a logo well sure that's easy um but the logo also has to to mean something you know in in terms of those relationships around the state again it's not a knock i just think that people have different personalities and obviously wells had a ton more experience coming into this thing um You know, and so that's what I see as the main difference. But, you know, you bring up a good point. I mean, I stop into high schools around the Houston area and I see that stuff. It's all posted around the coach's office, and posted mm-hmm. around the locker room. And I think the kids notice that stuff. And so, yep. um, you know, whether or not people do an eye roll or think it matters, I, you know, I would argue that it does.
1: Yeah. And one, sorry, i got one more question for you. You mentioned, uh, I just started, I just started thinking about it when you were talking about strategy. I've seen you and I think Ben as well talk about that the coaches are still recruiting guys who are committed elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Do you think that's a waste of time? Do you think that's a smart thing to do?
2: To so, like, about
1: using resources. I just think about yeah.
2: that. Yeah. So, so I'm not against it at all. I think, uh, you know, again, I, I would be, I would be a hypocrite sitting here and telling people that I've been in sales and that I'm out there asking questions and, you know, beating up the pavement. You got to ask. And, and all I can say is no. So I'll, I'll start there, you know, so I don't yeah. mind them. I don't mind them keeping in contact. Um, it, kids commit and decommit more than ever today. So, you know. you know, go for it. I think it really depends on the prospect. And I think given the days and times that we're in with everything going on, it's probably less of a good idea, if you will. Um, But I would say this, you know, I'm not looking at the roster. Um, The last one that I can really think of is you've got Nelson and Banasor, you flipped from Oklahoma State. You've got Adrian Fry, who actually flipped from Tech to Minnesota and then transferred to Tech. Um, neither, neither of which are, have really established themselves as, as starters and or major contributors. Mm -hmm. I'm really trying to think of a guy that flipped to tech that was, that is now just the guy. Um, and and so that's a statement I want to make, right? Is, Mm -hmm. is, you know, more often than not, even in relationships, you know, dating, if that's a lame, you know, metaphor or not, you know, pretty quickly. If the, if the interest is being reciprocated, right? You don't yeah. want a kid just to call you and say, coach, I'm ready to commit when, you know, he just called, you know, half the big 12 and asked <laughs> them the same question. So, right. you know, it's, it's not, that's why recruiting is so interesting to follow. It's not a perfect science. And again, if Ben and I keep saying stuff like that, it's because, look, you know, there are a certain group of guys that were on campus that they treated as high priority targets. I don't think they're going to stop recruiting those kids until they say, no, I'll give you a few examples. Jacoby Jackson committed to TCU. He's a legacy. They're still, they're still recruiting him from what I've been told. He's still showing interest. So, you know, that's somebody Ben and I need to get an interview up on and, you know, see if he wants to talk about that, but you guys know recruiting. I mean, so the UT quarterback commit just flipped to Alabama last night. Maybe that's apples and oranges to what we're talking about, but it happens. And, you know, from what I understand, Alabama was just showing them some very consistent interest and, and love, if you will. And so, yeah. you know, those things work themselves out. I think you could say that about some of the O-linemen uh, offers that are, uh, that are committed. And I think you'd say that about a few in the, in the defensive back as area as well. I think that also ties back, Taylor, t- to trusting your evaluations. If you're sitting in that same room I described and you're like, well, damn it. You know, we really, we, we really thought we had a chance at that guy. Well, Hey, you know, if if you're a boss in this situation, Matt Wells or your D coordinator, whoever says, well, let's stay after him. Let's get him set up on a zoom. Let's see what happens. Well, I mean, yeah, that makes sense. But to me, you know, strategy also includes contingency plans. Strategy also includes a backup, you know, and, and uh, in recruiting that backup it can't be prolonged for months. You know, it, it can't right. be something, there's it, gotta be a kind of a point in time, I guess, when you flip the switch on that contingency and say, okay, you know, let's go in this direction because you said it, you know, are we going to have a December signing day? Yes, we are. And right. with September, October, November, that's three solid months to fill what 15, 16 spots. Yeah. Right. So you, you, you have to more than double your commitments right now. And that's assuming that you hold on to every single person that's verbally committed to you right now, which historically probably isn't going to happen. So again, everything's a numbers game. Everything's sort of based on all these unknowns right now. But um, yeah, I I mean, if I had to to say like my opinion or where things stand, I mean, that's what it is. But I, I, you know, I'm sort of, sort of in the middle there. I really like what they have from a core pieces i don't want them to go you know that's kind of the point of me posting that article is there's different schools of thought you can go offer 422 people like iowa state and kansas yeah but then you also kind of like we were talking about the brand earlier you also say well what's this offer worth if we're just going to offer everyone under the sun um yeah but you know if you really break it down by position group look at the defensive back offers you've offered nobody but four-star national recruits and last time I checked, you know, those guys aren't living in Lubbock, Texas, usually. Mm-hmm. So, I'm not saying don't shoot for the stars. Yeah. Um, but you got to, I mean, again, the last couple of kids you've offered have committed to Auburn, Alabama, and Boston College. Yeah. You know? And you have no commits. Right. So, you know, and there's no new offers. Well, and Baylor, sorry. The Lemire kid committed right. to Baylor. So, uh, Is again, the only one,
1: so, sorry, I interrupted you.
2: No, you're good. I was just
1: going to say, the only one that's out there that's uncommitted is Rawls, correct?
2: Correct. And, and I mean, that's, again, that's another uh, Oklahoma State battle. Yeah. Um, and that's another one that, like, let's say that kid really does show up at 6'4", uh, 200 pounds to start the season and is just killing people. You know, he's going to get more offers. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. And, or what if TCU turns the pressure back up on it, right? I mean, to me, I, in, every time we had a, a podcast with Will, I would say recruiting is just like uh, the, the seasons of weather—you got fall, winter, spring, and summer. Same can be said for recruiting. I'll keep saying that until I have a better phrasing there, but or, or if I come up with my own naming uh, convention for that. But it, but it's cyclical like that, and even even through COVID, you've got that right now. You've got the kids that made it to campus the kids that have the official offers you've got the backup plans or the kids that they're keeping you know on the hopper and then you got the kids that haven't even had it they, they got the kids that that are dming me every day their highlights or their dad's reaching out to me hey we heard from all these schools and then nothing or the kid that shows up you know the old lineman that shows up uh, like one of these kids from nowhere texas and he's 6 8 and 350 and it's just mauling people you know maybe yeah. you haven't seen his tape yet right and so that's very much a very much a possibility but i mean at this point in time there's no football being played there's no evaluations being made so you start to get into even if you're really a crazy recruiting person you really start to look at the juniors if you really want to make yourself nuts and how do you evaluate that and who are you offering and what does the state look like i would argue anyone that tells you they even remotely think that they know anything about the 2022 class is just a liar you know, uh, right, you know, yeah. just to, to be frank, I mean, I always tell it like this, because I have a day job, like I've mentioned, And oh, that's cool, Claire, you cover recruiting, I'm like, all right, well, let's go down the street, right, I'll take you to, I'll take you to a local high school, I know for sure there's some D1 commits there, I yeah. won't say a word to you, and, and you can, you, the uh, accountant, at a at a it firm could say "Ooh, that number 14 man he's good yeah he's committed to texas right and yeah. i've done this before and, right. and i tell people like it doesn't take a genius or anyone that's been doing recruiting very long to say well, wow that guy's really big and he's really good on tape like that's easy it's yeah. it's really digging through and kind of finding some of these guys and you know we joke about it now about hay balers or some of the kids that, that baylor's <laughs> been able to uncover early but That's because of the guy. That's because of that structure we talked about. Not only do they have those positions, but they have graduate uh, assistants. They have assistants upon assistants that are working there. And whether they're paid, not paid, or whatever, those guys are scouring Huddle. They're responding to all the DMs, all the inquiries. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, I'm not here to say that is or isn't being done, but there's different approaches to every program's recruiting efforts, and there's different. there's different staffs that have been put together and, and the way they use social media and all of these things combined, you know, it's things that I've been posting about for years. And I'll always say, look, I know you may think it's dumb, but let me give you an example. Like as of three years ago, Texas tech, wasn't even doing their own recruiting edits. they were outsourcing yeah. it to some guy on the East coast. Yeah, And Crazy. that's why, you know what I mean? And so it's, it's very much a keeping, up with the joneses business and even corporate recruiting is right sure. so you yeah. know that's that's really what this boils down to and so yes it, it doesn't help that the team has been losing for the better part of a decade but yeah. at the same yeah. time you know you got to start somewhere and and yeah. they the, to their credit you look back at this last class these these prospects have a lot more offers a lot more quality offers and you know we talk about the the easy ones like a loic or a polk or a uh Brooks, Uh, but I think you're going to, I think you're going to get through the next couple years and you're really going to start to see some ROI from that class because that's their first full class. And, and I think you'll be able to, to really see some gems, you know, over the years.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I like that class. I like this class, even though we're constantly reminded where it's ranked. I think it's, it fills needs with guys that are solid players and there's not enough of them right now, but The ones that are there i think are good
2: i think you would take i would i'll make a statement i think you'd take over you could go all the way back to patrick mahomes and aside from mahomes you'd take baron morton over anyone from a recruiting standpoint you know right now i'd argue that if you went all the way back to that class and you looked at who they took every year he would be the most
1: important position
2: Correct. And then you look at somebody like a Jaron Bradley. I mean, look at what Ben was posting about him over the weekend. He's guarding a seven foot center four star (laughs) kid, you know, that that's athletic, you know, and that's a kid where um, he could probably go to school wherever he would like. And they have sold him on becoming the next great receiver at Texas Tech. So again, you know, there's a lot to like about some of the core pieces. And so uh, unfortunately, you know, people want a dozen more, uh, commitments and they want Texas tech name, you know, higher in the rankings for, you know, some particular reason. I mean, not like, you know, aside from those few Tupperville years, they're, they, it's not like, you know, they were ever top 20 and top 30, you know, where right. they're always ho- hovering around there somewhere. And, and, you know, again, I, I think it's just the combination of you know, sort of enduring the recruiting through cliff. And then, you know, with Matt Wells and them, they're not at, at That's why I said earlier, at Utah State, they weren't going after stars. They weren't going after, you know, coveted recruits per se. But they were able to put guys in the NFL. They were able to take JUCOs and and polish them off and turn them, you know, some some dirt into diamonds over there. So, you know, I think they're going to, given the right amount of time, they're going to be able to do that at Tech. Um, And they're already, you know, trying to uncover some of those guys. So, you know, all in all, I think they need time to do that. Um, and I think that they're doing, they're going to do it their way. And if they choose to kind of go after some of these guys that are still committed, they're going to, they're going to ultimately live and die with those decisions. Right. Um, as long as, as long as you're not offering kids in, uh, in late January (laughs) to to sign with you in February, I I think you're okay. I think (laughs) we do. I think we do have some time and I I support the decision to see, you know, what, what tape that these kids can, can get on, you know, I'm knocking on wood over here that we can play some football. Right
1: right yeah well and that's the deal is the chicken or the egg type deal It's like do does wins bring or do wins bring recruiting or do you have to recruit to bring wins and it's one of those things has to outperform past performance i guess in order to get the bring the other one along and so i think you that's
2: yeah
1: you're basically hoping, a- sorry go ahead
2: well, I, I'm sorry. I, I just think the chicken and the egg way is a perfect way to say that because when yeah. you add together everything I mentioned from new coaching staff, social media, um, kids that just love being recruited and almost take it personally, if you haven't offered them by, you know, January of their junior year, yeah. um, you know, you, you do get that chicken or egg, right? And, and yeah. do the, do some of these kids flip their commitment because you're five and O oh and things are looking, you know, brighter. Or, yeah. or are they committing for the right reasons because they have this coaching staff? So, yeah. now I didn't mean to interrupt you, but, I, I mean, I think yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. perfect way of saying it because, you know, if we are dealing in reality, there are some kids that maybe they do like Texas Tech. Maybe they really enjoyed that visit. Maybe they really enjoy you know, Matt Wells. But maybe they also have an offer from Baylor, TCU, um, yeah. you know, Oklahoma State, um, fill in the blank, Arkansas, uh, you know, all these other regional programs that Tech comp- – with and you know they're they're getting the hard press by those schools too right there's no magic fairy dust the coaches are using to kind of differentiate themselves i guess right
1: yeah yeah you just have to hope wells and his staff are kind of cycle breakers in the sense that they can either start winning or start recruiting better but one of them has to change
2: well i'm sure you guys uh, i guess we could we could sort of round it out on this but you guys have heard like the uh the we talked a little bit about the 2020 class, but you, have you guys heard about the whole like foundation rock story? Yes. From okay, so I, have, like, I don't know if they not, but <laughs> Yeah, so I'll just I'll, I'll I'll be brief, and because the reason this came back up is Ben. You know, I originally hired Ben because he could be the social media stalker, right? Because um, yeah. I just didn't have as much time to do that anymore. Well, Ben takes it to the next level. Ben does like Instagram and uh, Snapchat too. And so recently he saw a couple of the signees where on Instagram story or something, one of them posted their rock and said, hey, you know, at so-and-so, you still have your piece. And then they all started responding to each other with their pieces of the rock. So I think the story goes that they had their official visit weekend um, and they had it in the summer, right? Because that was the first year that official visits could happen after April 1. And that's when you saw just a bunch of commitments coming in i think it was about six in june and maybe even another six to seven in july and i guess the story goes there in the meeting room or the locker room or some you know area having a meeting with coach wells and he's talking about taking over at texas tech how this will be his first full class the foundation of the program blah 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 and then he reaches behind the podium and there's apparently there's just this rock on the floor and then he reaches behind the podium grabs a sledgehammer and just smashes the thing into pieces, um, and starts handing them out to handing them out to these recruits. Right. And this is in front of their parents and everything. And again, I'm paraphrasing it's been a couple of years since I've actually been told the story, but you know, that's in a sense what happened. And so, You know, you go back to that and and they've just really been robbed of those kind of experiences because of no official visits, right? And they're coming off they're coming off four and eight for all intents and purposes. There's still a new coaching staff. And um, so you know, no additional visits and no official visits. I think that you know had this played out, nobody would be saying any of this stuff. They'd have, you know, several more commitments and you know, things would look a little different. But here we are. And, uh, you know, all those kids are on campus. He's able to talk about them now. And some of the feedback we're getting on some of these kids and even some of the kids they've had in the program for a year, to me it's positive. Again, I know it's talking season, but these are going to be their guys, going to be guys that are recruited. And to me, I know that we've talked about this on our text group. To me, the one thing the program just hasn't had in a long time that I feel that it has now in the right places is depth and you know that that goes back to the transfer and the juco stuff and all Mm -hmm. of it counts when you cover recruiting and so to me you look at the defensive backs the linebackers you know maybe not so much the d-line per se but those those two position groups are absolutely loaded you know going into this season and then you Mm -hmm. look across the you look across the ball at receiver not so much running back but now quarterback you know that they're healthy um and that they're recruiting well. I just again I see them doing things the right way. So whether it's a right here, right now, number number of commitments thing, you gotta kinda challenge yourself to look at how they're doing it and, and what their plan is. I don't I don't think it's just a hundred kids saying, No thanks, Coach Wells, you know, not interested.
1: Yeah. Well, Matt, I appreciate it. That was awesome. Yeah. A lot of great,
2: great stuff out there. All right, guys. we'll uh, we'll have to do it again.
0: Yeah, for that sure. No, good. we'll do it again. And uh, maybe we'll have like, you know, that six, six commits at one time to go over everybody again. And, you know, we'll <laughs> just slowly get back to it. We're not that far away from the season either. So we love your insight on the actual football season as well. So
1: Yeah, I know. I wanted, yeah, I wanted yeah. to ask you some football stuff. So we'll have to get get you back on and talk about that.
2: Well, I mean, you're kicking me off now. I mean, we'll, we'll just have to do it later. No, but what I was going to say, guys, is you heard it first. Brandon Solis, uh, fo- football uh, recruiting editor for Red Rare Sports, is guaranteeing six commitments the next time I'm on the podcast. So <laughs> I heard you it. You know gotta, what? I'll, take it. The I'll take it.
0: You know. Okay.
2: <laughs> All right. No,
0: All
1: right, Go, Mavs. Man. All right. Yes. Go, Mavs. Bye. Bye-bye. Go, Mavs. <laughs>
2: Sometimes I'm abusing. Change my mind if you ever switch it up.